Do you believe concerning the Holy Spirit? First, he is together with the Father and the Son, true and eternal God. Second, he is also given to me to make me, by true faith, share in Christ and all his benefits, to comfort me and to remain with me forever. Beloved Church of our Lord Jesus Christ, sometimes when you're driving different neighborhoods, you see one house on the street that's abandoned. It's useless. The house has been condemned by the city. It's a house that's destined for destruction. Often the grass is long, the dandelions, cracked windows, boarded windows. But then one day the a new owner comes and he buys the house. And as you drive by each day on your way to work or school, you, you see that he's working to change it. He renovates the house so that it's up to code. He takes out all the junk and everything that he doesn't like. And he starts to furnish it with new furnishings that he likes. He makes it his very own. Everybody notices such a change. Even the person casually driving by on his way to work and a careful observer can even get an idea about the man who is living in that house, what he likes. He could tell that by the appearance of the house. If we imagine our, ourselves as this house, then we can use it as an analogy or a comparison to help us understand what the Holy Spirit teaches us in Romans 8. Christ is the new owner who purchased our bodies and souls with his own blood, destroying death and freeing us from slavery to the devil. We're no longer destined for destruction. And after purifying us in this way, he sent his Holy Spirit to dwell in us, to dwell in our hearts. And everybody can see that the Holy Spirit lives in us. We remain human beings just like a house on the street remains a house. But when we are worked on by the Holy Spirit, we actually start to become useful in the kingdom of God. The Holy Spirit makes such great changes to our characters and our hearts that we are actually able to begin to live according to God's plan to enjoy the benefits of Christ's work in real and concrete ways. When God himself is the counselor and the comforter who is dwelling within our hearts, then we will be guided by God and his word in all the storms of this life. And every part of our being will be affected, our our character, our perspective, our attitudes, our desires. Christ's victory is a visible victory. You can see it in the marks of true Christians. And we confess then with great joy, Lord's Day 20, it's, it's a wonderful confession. The Holy Spirit was also given to me to make me by true faith share in Christ and all his benefits to comfort me 
and to remain with me forever. We confess that we have received the true and eternal God, the Holy Spirit. The true and eternal God dwells within us. Each day we can say that the Holy Spirit was given to me. And I preach to you the gospel of Jesus Christ under this theme, the Holy Spirit transforms his dwelling place. Those with the Holy Spirit have new desires, new life, and new inheritance. And we see these three things in Romans 8. Again, it's helpful to have your Bible open in Romans 8 to, to, to follow along and could see how the Holy Spirit reveals this transformation. When you look at Romans 8, and we just read the first 17 verses together, we can see that the Holy Spirit speaks of sin as, as if it were a wicked master that imprisons man, that infects his mind so that he only thinks about the things of this world and the sinful desires. You can see that in Romans 8 verse 5, for example. It speaks of that which the sinful nature desires. And then we understand what that means in verse 7 where it says the sinful mind is hostile to God. Hostile to God's law. That means sin makes every man an enemy of God. And you can see that in verse 3 as well, that when we are under sin's dominion, we become rebellious and weak. The man who is dominated by sin is not being guided by God's law, but by the sinful nature. So that means his desires will be sinful. And although a man with a sinful nature may be able to give the impression of, of being a good person on the outside, the desires of his heart reveal that he is an enemy of God and his law. Outside of Christ, we are enemies of God and his law. We are hostile to God. That's what Paul says very clearly. The sinful desires of the old nature, we see in verse 6, it, it brings man to death. The mind of sinful man is death. So we can return to that comparison. What kind of house is that condemned house? It's a house that is contaminated. It's a house that is unstable. It's a house that's overrun with pests, with mice and cockroaches. Pests that are actually destroying the very home that it's living in. Fallen man without Christ is contaminated. You could say with, with selfishness, with jealousy, with arrogance. And that affects how we live our lives. To live without the Spirit, without Christ, and according to the desires of your sinful nature is, is to marry because of lust and not because of love. It means just to work for yourself, to be very selfish, to only think about your own financial dreams. Or to have children just to satisfy your own longings. 
or to do anything you can to avoid conflict or discomfort in this life. Our sinful desires are hostile to God. They act in a way that is different than God reveals in his word. And, And then beyond that, the sinful nature makes us slaves or prisoners to the opinions of others, or maybe even we could say to the approval of others. We live our lives to please others. And then Proverbs tells you, well, that kind of living led by the sinful desires of the sinful nature, will lead to death. That's why a person without Christ is like a condemned house. It's useless. It's even ugly on the street of the kingdom of God. And then Romans 8 shouts the gospel. Starts right away. Verse 1. Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. God sent his own son, explains Paul in Romans 8, he sent his own son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. He condemned sin in sinful man. Verse 3, so there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That means no one has to remain enslaved to the devil. We don't need to be prisoners of our sinful desires and the sinful nature. Jesus Christ has rescued you from the slavery. That's the the beauty of the gospel. He has rescued you from the slavery. And then we read, he, he, he has given his Holy Spirit to dwell within you. Before sinful desires of the sinful nature, now the Holy Spirit living within your heart. And we confess, he is the true and eternal God. The true and eternal God, the Holy Spirit, dwelling within you. What happens when God himself dwells within you? Well, Romans 8 verse 5 says that, that it changes what you want to do. It changes your desires. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. Verse 5. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. Having your mind set on something is, is wanting that. When the Spirit comes in, you begin to want different things. We actually begin to want what God desires. It's amazing to see even even in our own lives. We we want to do different things. So the house where the Holy Spirit is dwelling has new rules. It is furnished with different desires. Desires that lead to life, that lead to peace, that live in submission to God's holy law. We live in friendship with God and we're not hostile to God as an enemy when the Holy Spirit lives in our hearts. We, decide, we, we start to desire the approval of God. We start to desire God more than the approval of people around us. We desire to be faithful with, with what we have rather than trying to keep up with what our neighbors have. We seek the kingdom of God first. We desire 
different things when the Holy Spirit lives within us. We are a renovated house furnished with the fruit of the Holy Spirit. We desire to remain in this peaceful relationship with God, with our neighbor. Christians who have the Holy Spirit dwelling in their hearts begin to want to be houses that are filled with what is right, with what is beautiful. This is what we want. We, we, we still are struggling against sinful desires. We still fall into sin. But when the Spirit is within our hearts, we have a different desire. It's a quick test for a Christian. What is it that you desire above everything else? Sometimes it happens that we, we're unable to do something. A, a good example is we're unable to go to church to worship together with, with other believers and, and after a while of not coming, you may receive a visit. And an elders say, what's the, hopefully after just one time you get a phone call. What's happening? Are you okay? Is everything okay? And, uh, and, and the person might say, yes, but this has happened or, or this has happened, it's preventing me from going to church. And then a office bearer representing Jesus Christ will say, is this, is this make you sad? Are you sad that you, you can't go to church? Do you desire to be in church? Or are you pretty okay with this? And that's the difference. Because when we have the Holy Spirit, we desire to be obedient to God. And you'll see changes then when somebody just comes to the faith. Right away, you could see very black and white changes when you desire Different things, what God desires, it's, it's an amazing change. You see, see big changes right away in their lives, their priorities. But also in, in the lives of, of maturing covenant children, sanctification is a process. It's a dying of the old nature and a coming to life of the new. So even in, in old and experienced Christians, we, we can see this continual conflict within ourselves. We see these changes taking place. Usually when we are unaware or inexperienced or, or something new comes into our lives, the, the devil tempts us with something that we are too weak to handle right away. We get sucked in. We, we've, we fall into sin. We're deceived by his lies. It might be something like easily accessible pornography. Or maybe something like materialism or something else. Whatever it may be, it happens even as mature Christians, as, as, as Christians who know the gospel so well that, that for a while our sinful nature desires that. And then God works on us by his word and his spirit. And Romans 8 tells us that when we have the spirit, we, we recognize the, the dangers and praying for, for strength, you can see that you will begin to resist. You will actually stop desiring these sinful things. Or maybe say you will desire those sinful things less. The Spirit opens our eyes. He shows us what is behind that beautiful supermodel who is selling her body. You can see the suffering, the broken heart, the stolen childhood. 
often an addiction, and you desire that less. Perhaps you have a desire to be that rich businessman driving the fancy car and and living his life as if he never has any worries, and and you, you begin to covet those things, even though we're well trained, good Christians, and we have this desire, we have these pictures we imagine, and and, and we start to desire that above everything else, and and then the Holy Spirit and His Word, He he works in us, and and we, we see, I don't desire the riches. God Himself dwells in me. I desire the Lord above everything else. And so you can see many examples in your lives of this dying of the old nature and the coming to life of the new. That coming to life of the new is because the Spirit dwells in us. The Holy Spirit is in conflict with the sinful nature. He makes us want what is good for God, good for us, good for his kingdom. And like Paul in Romans 7 Because we have the Holy Spirit, we know what we want to do, even if we do not always do it. At the same time, Romans 8 announces that although we often fail and we are truly wretched men, we do not always fail. And already in this life, we can experience glimmers of real transformation. This real change, this, this new life is further evidence of the eternal spirit reigning within our hearts. We have new life. You look at Romans 8, verses 10 and 11. But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give you life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. You see the work of the the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You're the, the object of the work of the triune God. And when that happens, you will see results, says Paul. We have died with Christ. We have also died with Christ with respect to our sins. And when Christ was raised, we were, we were raised with him. And that's not just a theory or, or dry doctrine, but rather the reality is that the Holy Spirit now dwells within us and he, he makes us into different people, not just in what we want, but actually in what we're, we are doing. After furnishing this renovated house, the the changed and reformed house with new desires to serve God, the Holy Spirit also guides man in such a way that he begins to carry these desires out. Not only do you want to do new things, but you begin to live a new life. Philippians 2 verse 13 says that for it is God who works in you to will, that's the desires, and to act according to his good purpose. It is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. So the good news is we are no longer dead in our sins. 
there has been a resurrection. One of the confessions compares conversion to new creation or to the, the rising from the dead, to resurrection. When we're converted, it's like being dead and then being made alive again. And part of this resurrection means putting to death the misdeeds of the body. You can see that in verse 13. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. If you put to death the misdeeds of the body, that means it's possible to overcome many sins in this life. You could put to death misdeeds of the body. We, we speak of our sinfulness. We confess our sins many times. We recognize our weakness, but we also recognize the power of the Holy Spirit to effect real change in our lives. That's why after conversion, many people will, will throw out things that don't belong to the life in Christ. And you can see that too with maturing covenant children. And maybe you are a, a young person who's going through this and you're, and you're really looking at your life and judging your, your priorities. But most of us have already passed through that as we grow up and as we mature, we become better at identifying things and activities that are actually preventing us from obeying our Savior. You can see the Holy Spirit working in our lives that, that not only gives us different desires, but also gives us the strength to take it in the hand and to throw out the misdeeds, the junk. Throw out the old furniture, the, the furniture that doesn't belong in the renovated house. You could throw out worldly entertainment. And you can look at the light you can look at the future in the light of the gospel. It's not just young people. Also the older people, more established in their ways and, and their routines. We can look at our lives and we can see there are misdeeds. There are many misdeeds we can, we can throw out. The very moment when we rest and we think we've, we've arrived at the right level of holiness then we can still look closer. We can see the hypocrisy. We can see the arrogance. We can see the complacency. We all need to put to death the misdeeds of the body. The conversion is a, is a dying of the old nature and a coming to life of the new. And Paul tells us very beautifully in Philippians 4, verses 8 and 9. Maybe you memorize this text. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, Whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Well, when we read Romans 8, and we see our confession we could see that we can have high expectations of ourselves as Christians in the church of Jesus Christ. We can believe, or we believe that God himself empowers all those who were bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. It's true, you cannot expect, expect fruit from a dead tree, 
But the gospel is we are no longer dead trees because the Spirit is living within us. And if Christ, if God himself dwells within you, you will see the dying of the old nature and the coming to life of the new. We can expect fruit in your lives. We can expect to change from one family visit to the next family visit. We can expect growth in our lives for the Holy Spirit is working in our lives as we read the Bible and as we pray together. We could talk about the fruit, the things we've, we've learned, how we've grown with God's word open as the Spirit works in our lives. Paul says, keep in step with the Spirit. It's good to have the Holy Spirit living in you. It's good to have the Holy Spirit clearly visible in your home. The Spirit speaks to us through His Word. It's good to have your, the Word of God visible in your home as you're raising your children, as you, as you gather together as husband and wife. If you're together or with your, by yourself with, with God's word open, with the reading and the meditation and, and, the, and the preaching of Holy Scriptures, we see the Holy Spirit is, is leading us through important changes so that you in your life can be more and more as God has made you to be, as God has made you to be. Not as your neighbor expects you to be, but you can be more and more as God has made you to be. And so we have scripture open and, and Christians with the Holy Spirit dwelling in their hearts are, are gathering around the Bible in daily devotions, desiring the, the preaching of the word every Sunday. And the Holy Spirit makes real changes happen in our lives. And so Paul can say, say in verse 14, all are led by the Spirit and our sons of God. And then he talks about our new inheritance. And here the whole idea is that we are, are sons of God. When we are led by the Spirit, we are sons of God. When the Lord Jesus was about to go into heaven, then he spoke to his disciples. And we can also hear his words today as followers of Jesus Christ in John 14. Verses 18 to 21, the Lord Jesus speaks to us with beautiful words. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. The Lord Jesus says that we are not orphans. Paul says that when we are led by the Spirit, we are sons of God Almighty. 
And then in verse 16 of Romans 8, we read that the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. So we begin to desire different things. We begin to see changes, real changes in our lives. And we begin to, to recognize more and more that, that we are children of, of God most high. It's a great comfort. We confess that he has been given to us to comfort us, the Holy Spirit, is to comfort us and to remain with us forever. He testifies with our spirit. He, he reminds us, you are sons of God Most High. The Holy Spirit is the seal guaranteeing what we have in Jesus Christ and who we are in Jesus Christ. And then verse 15 says it so beautifully, for you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. And then in verse 17, if we are children, then we are heirs. Do you see how richly blessed we have been? Do you see how we can speak to others and how we can see ourselves? If we see ourselves as God sees us, then we see ourselves as sons, children, sons and daughters of the Most High Creator of heaven and earth. We see ourselves as, as men and women and boys and girls who, who can look to the Creator and say, Father, Abba, Father. And you, you confess that you believe that he was given, and you say, given to me. It's very personal. It's very close. Each one of us can say about ourselves, and you could put your own name here, that I am not like everyone else in the world. I have been changed from the inside out. He has taken me from the kingdom of the enemy. He has placed me in, in, a, in his very household, God Almighty. I'm in the household of God Almighty. I am his son. I am his daughter. So by God's grace, you have been changed so that you can walk with joy in your new inheritance already today. It's a beautiful thing. And we need to encourage one another with this because when you change, not everyone is happy. We read a little bit about that in 1 Peter 4 when he was encouraging the church. The church was being persecuted. 1 Peter 4, everyone around was making fun of the Christians. They think it's strange that you do not plunge with them in the same flood of dissipation. They heap abuse on you. And then Peter is saying, Stay firm in your new life in the Spirit. You see, when you change, there's always someone who will be offended. Go back to that street, the, the street with the condemned house. Well, when that house is, is purified and, and cleaned and the junk is taken out and the new furniture is put in, not everyone likes it the rats and the cockroaches that lived in it and are exterminated, they are very upset about this change. The squatters who spent time in the old condemned house, they'll also complain. There's always someone that doesn't like it 
when you change. There's a possibility of broken relationships and lost friendships. And sometimes that can even scare us from, from changing all the way. Sometimes we even pretend we don't change or we have not been changed so that, so that we can maintain some friendships with the rats and the cockroaches That should not be when Almighty God is dwelling within us, true and eternal God. It'd be something that is complete. The Spirit who is and remains true and eternal God reminds us of this in His Word. He says, you have everything you need in me, a full inheritance, fathers or, or sons and daughters of, of Abba, Father. And so in that hour of temptation, don't think about what you're missing, the squatters and, and the rats and the cockroaches and, and that other way of living, the jealousy and the, and the money that others have and what looks like freedom. Lift up your head, says the Spirit, and cry out, Abba, Father, remember your inheritance. And verse 26 even tells us, that although in our weakness we do not know how to pray as we ought, the Spirit himself intercedes for us with sighs too deep for words. We don't have to battle alone. We're made different. And the Holy Spirit comforts us with our, the promise of our inheritance and he remains with us forever. And so we see, brothers and sisters, the blessing of the Holy Spirit. The blessing of our confession of the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit enters a house, he remains forever. He's a guarantee of the new reality we have in Christ, that the new reality we have in Christ is an eternal reality. And you can see the profound way in which the, the Holy Spirit is, is renovating, is reforming his house, his dwelling place. Sanctification is not something that is superficial. Repentance is not a temporary change. Conversion does not allow a person to return to darkness. The Son of God never forgets his own. So we can say, yes, I am a dwelling place bought by the blood of Christ filled with the Holy Spirit who is true and eternal God. He's given to me to comfort me and to remain with me forever. Amen. Let's now sing together hymn 50. Uh, standing if you're able. <laughs>